everyone, and welcome to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran, and this is the show where we talk about the subtleties of life and all the things we encounter on our path towards our spiritual goal, which is, well, what is it? What is your spiritual goal? That's an interesting question, right? A lot of times I hear people tell me their spiritual goals and really it's like an emotional goal. It's like, oh, I want to be peaceful and uh, carefree or something, you know. So that's an interesting question, spiritual goal. We'll have to dedicate a whole show to that one maybe in the future. But for this show, we have some very good topics planned. And uh, today is October 11th, 2013. And our website is themysticshow.net. And you can see all of our past episodes there. Everything is archived. You can browse by um, topic. All the shows are titled by the topics that we talk about. So you can browse there and listen a lot of our listeners, you know, they're out walking or running and they're listening to the show. And it's a great way to start your day. That's part of the reason we do the show in the morning here in uh, New York City time zone. So we do it every morning at 7 a.m. And we it's replayed every evening at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern time. And that's on the Fractal Stream, which is our internet radio station which you're, if you're listening live, that's where you're listening on right now. And we're also, if you go to the website, you can see we're on Twitter, and uh, we also have a phone number. So if you want to give us a call, if you want to comment on one of these topics, or if you have a question, please do. And I'm still figuring out our Skype handle. Um... I, I think I need either another computer or another device because I need to play music and Skype and play the theme and I'm figuring out how to juggle everything by myself. So I hope, uh, I don't know if you listened yesterday, but I was talking a little bit about being stuck in a rut and, and a little bit of the, the obstacles on the spiritual path. And, you know, how sometimes we need a little, someone needs to clunk us over the head with a baseball bat because we need to wake up, you know, I think each of us needs that at certain times in our journey because it's very easy to fool ourselves, right? In fact, that's one of the reasons to have a guru or a spiritual guide because the guru can make sure you're on the right path and you're not straying from the path, so... I just wanted to comment and say that, you know, on the spiritual journey, we often think spirituality is like so, you know, light and fluffy and peaceful and nice. You know, when we, we request someone to do something, we don't request them. We kindly request them. You're kindly requested to do this. Okay. All right. So it's good to be nice and kind and all that. I get it. But my point is that at times on the spiritual path, it might not be so nice and kind and fluffy. There might have to be some confrontations. 
because this past conditioning that we each have has to come out. It has to play itself out. So one of the things I've realized on the spiritual path as well is that if you try to be too spiritual, if you try to push down all your emotions and push down everything you want to say or do, you're really stifling yourself and that's not good because you're just compacting it more and someday it's going to come out even stronger. So in my opinion, it's better to be yourself, say what you need to say, say what you think you need to say, and don't worry about the repercussions. You know, as long as each of us is trying to do our best, we'll be fine. Every moment of our lives might not be fluffy and spiritual. Spiritual in quotes, that is. And that's okay. It's okay to have times when you need to say something that might be considered harsh. Or might be taken the wrong way. But if it needs to be said, it needs to be said. So, And the other thing is, if, if, if we we do have to confront something and it might get a little ugly. It's okay. When it's over, you just brush it off and move on. You know, we, we don't have to feel like, Oh, everything was ruined. I ruined my whole spiritual journey. No, you didn't. You really didn't. In fact, it's probably better for that to come out, let it come out and let it go. Release it. Bye-bye. And I think when we do this, we can actually progress much faster. If we let the things come out that need to come out, and we don't try and, you know, pretend and act so spiritual and nice and kind and gentle and, you know, if, if it's natural to be that way, that's great. But when it's unnatural... And, and we're acting and we're pretending just to put forth this show that I'm a spiritual person, that's not good. That's actually even worse. So <clears throat> just wanted to make that little point. I think that's an important one in, uh, in our journey. And it's one that a lot of people get wrong that I see. Uh, and it's a big potential stumbling block. So so there I just wanted to mention that. And now we're going to jump right in to our book. And we're going to finish chapter 11 of this book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. He's one of our favorite mystics. And this we began this chapter yesterday. It's called Solitude. Solitude and well, we'll we'll go over the chapters after we're we're done. But this book has really taken us through a lot of the relevant and important aspects of living a spiritual life. And we know James Allen; he cuts right to the chase. He just puts it in simple, plain English, so we can understand. So let's get right into it. This will uh, we'll be reading the second half of the chapter 
on Solitude, chapter 11 of Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. While a man is absorbed in the contemplation of inward realities, he is receiving knowledge and power. He opens himself like a flower to the universal light of truth and receives and drinks in its life-imparting rays. He also goes to the eternal foundation of knowledge and quenches his thirst in its inspiring waters. Such a man gains, in one hour of concentrated thought, more essential knowledge than a whole year's reading could impart. Being is infinite, and knowledge is illimitable, and its source inexhaustible. And he who draws upon the innermost depths of his being drinks from the spring of divine wisdom which can never run dry, and quaffs the waters of immortality. It is this habitual association with the deep realities of being, this continual drinking in of the water of life at its perennial source that constitutes genius. The resources of genius are inexhaustible because they are drawn from the original and universal source. And for the same reason, the works of genius are ever new and fresh. The more a genius gives out, the fuller he becomes. With the accomplishment of every work, his mind extends and expands, reaches out more vastly, and sees wider and ever wider ranges of power. The genius is inspired. He has bridged the gulf between the finite and infinite. He needs no secondary aids, but draws from that universal spring which is the source of every noble work. The difference between a genius and an ordinary man is this. The one lives in inward realities, the other in outward appearances. The one goes after pleasure, the other after wisdom. The one relies on books, the other relies upon his own being. Book learning is good when its true place is understood, but is not the source of wisdom. The source of wisdom is in life itself and is comprehended by effort, practice, and experience. 
Books give information, but they cannot bestow knowledge. They can stimulate, but cannot accomplish. You must put forth effort and achieve for yourself. The man who relies entirely upon books and does not go to the silent resources within himself is superficial and becomes rapidly exhausted. He is uninspired, though he may be extremely clever, for he soon reaches the end of his stock of information and so becomes void and repetitious. His works lack the sweet spontaneity of life and the ever-renewed freshness of inspiration. Such a man has cut himself off from the infinite supply and deals not with life itself, but with dead or decaying appearances. Information is limited. Knowledge is boundless. The inspiration of genius and greatness is fostered, evolved, and finally completed in solitude. The most ordinary man who conceives a noble purpose and, summoning all his energies and will, broods upon and ripens his purpose in solitude will accomplish his object and become a genius. The man who renounces the pleasure of the world, who avoids popularity and fame, and who works in obscurity and thinks in solitude for the accomplishment of a lofty ideal for the human race, becomes a seer and a prophet. He who silently sweetens his heart, who attunes his mind to that which is pure and beautiful and good, who in long hours of lonely contemplation strives to reach to the central and eternal heart of things, brings himself in touch with the inaudible harmonies of being opens himself for the reception of the cosmic song and becomes at last a singer and a poet. And so with all genius, it is the child of solitude, a very simple-hearted child, wide-eyed and listening and beautiful, yet withal to the noise-enamored world an incomprehensible mystery, of which it is only now and then vouchsafed a glimpse from beyond the well-guarded portals of silence. St. Paul, the cruel persecutor and blind bigot, after spending three years alone in the desert, 
comes forth a loving apostle and an inspired seer. Gautama Siddhartha, the man of the world, after six years in the forest of lonely struggle with his passions and intense meditation upon the deep mysteries of his nature, becomes Buddha, the enlightened one, the embodiment of calm, serene wisdom, to whom a heart-thirsty world turns to refreshing waters of immortality. Lao Tzu, an ordinary citizen filling a worldly office, in his search for knowledge courts solitude and discovers Tao, the supreme reason, by virtue of which he becomes a world teacher. Jesus, the unlettered carpenter, after many years of solitary communion upon the mountains with the unfailing love and wisdom, comes forth a blessed Savior of mankind. Even after they had attained and had scaled the lofty heights of divine knowledge, these great souls were much alone and retired frequently for brief seasons of solitude. The, great, the greatest man will fall from his moral height and lose his influence if he neglects that renewal of power which can only be obtained in solitude. These masters attain their power by consciously harmonizing their thoughts and lives with the creative energies within themselves and by transcending individuality and sinking their petty personal will in the universal will, they became masters of creative thought and stand as the loftiest instruments for the outworking of cosmic evolution. And this is not miraculous. It is a matter of law. It is not mysterious except insofar as law is mysterious. Every man becomes a creative master insofar as he subordinates himself to the universally good and true. Every poet, painter, saint, and sage is the mouthpiece of the eternal. The perfection of the message varies with the measure of individual selflessness. Insofar as self intervenes, the distinctness of the work and message becomes blurred. Perfect selflessness is the acme of genius, the consummation of power. Such self-abnegation can only be begun 
pursued and completed in solitude. A man cannot gather together and concentrate his spiritual forces while he is engaged in spending those forces in worldly activities. And although after power is attained, the balance of forces can be maintained under all circumstances, even in the midst of the antagonistic throng, such power is only secured after many years of frequent and habitual solitude. Man's true home is in the great silence. This is the source of all that is real and abiding within him. His present nature, however, is dual, and outer activities are necessary. Neither entire solitude nor entire action is the true life in the world, but that is the true life which gathers in solitude, strength and wisdom to rightly perform the activities of life. And as a man returns to his home in the evening, weary with labor, for that sweet rest and refreshment which will prepare him for another day's toil, so must he who would not break down in the labor of life come away from the noise and toil of the world's great workshop and rest for brief periods in his abiding home in silence. He who does this, spending some portion of each day in sacred and purposeful solitude, will become strong and useful and blessed. Solitude is for the strong, or for those who are ready to become strong. When a man is becoming great, he becomes solitary. He goes in solitude to seek, and that which he seeks he finds, for there is a way to all knowledge, all wisdom, all truth, all power. And the way is forever open, but it lies through soundless solitudes and the unexplored silence of man's being. Okay, so that finishes up the chapter on solitude. Hmm, wow. Let's take a quick break and just ponder that for a minute.
Welcome back to The Mystic Show. Thank you to uh, Jeff Buckley for that that interlude there. That's the song off his album, Grace. Uh, the song is called Corpus Christi Carol. And um, I was very fortunate enough to meet Jeff Buckley and actually work on on that album, believe it or not, back in 94, I think it was. And he, I think, passed away in the late 90s, an unfortunate accident, uh, but he's one of, the, he's a remarkable artist. Um, yeah, so thanks to Jeff Buckley. And again, welcome back to The Mystic Show. Have you seen our website yet? That's my question for you. It's themysticshow.net themysticshow.net you can see all our past episodes and you can comment on any of them as well and you can also find the phone number there to call our show and comment or ask a question uh, whichever you'd like to do so we're going to have a guest on the phone in a couple minutes and I just wanted to share a couple quick thoughts about our bodies. So our bodies, and this is going to be quick because I want to, I want to get our guest on, but really, in a spiritual sense, our bodies are just a vehicle, right? I mean, I think on a spiritual level, we all kind of feel that, like we kind of know that our body is... I mean, it is part of us. It's definitely part of us, but it's just the vehicle because something inside, the consciousness inside or the divinity or the spirit, whatever you want to call it, that's um, that's something that will go on, right? Meaning, let me just spell it out, when we die, our spirit or soul is going to leave the body, right? And the body is going to be what we call dead. But unfortunately, many of us think that we die. And really, we don't die. <laughs> it's just the body that dies. And, and in that sense, our body is just a vehicle. So in that sense, <coughs> excuse me, in that sense, think of it like a car. Like, let's say you own a car and what do you need to do to your car? Well, you need to make sure it's running. You need to maintain it. And most people try and do that with the least amount of effort and money possible. So in that same sense, we should take care of our bodies and do what's necessary, but there's really no need to go crazy and, uh, you know, embellish our bodies too much or work out too much or focus on, you know, I want to have the best vehicle. So there's, I know it's kind of a fine line between 
having the best vehicle and having a good vehicle. Because at death, you know, it's almost like we're going to get out of a car. Like, just like you get out of a car, I mean, you're not dead. The car's not dead. It's You're just getting out of a vehicle and going somewhere else. So, in one way, that that's what death may be like. And it's a very interesting uh, concept that our soul kind of vacates the body, right? And if you think of the word vacate, you know, when your apartment lease is up, you have to vacate your apartment. Or when you sell a house, you have to vacate your house. Well, when the soul is done with the body, it vacates the body. And in a way, you know, the word vacate and the word vacation are the same root So in a way, your soul takes a vacation from the body. That's one way to look at it. So so really, nobody dies in the sense that we think we might die, where it's over and done and thank you, it's been real, it's been fun type thing. I think we definitely definitely move on, and it's good to realize time to time that Our body is just a vehicle. And just like you can't take your money with you when you die, just like you can't take your jewelry with you when you die, well, you can't take your body either, right? So it's interesting. It kind of helps in the to put it in a little spiritual perspective. This whole uh, this whole idea of reaching a spiritual goal and death. All right, so we're going to get our... Hello. Hello, Maria. Hello, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to The Mystic Show. This is uh, our guest today is Mystic Maria, <laughs> and you're, she's taking very well to her new little nickname, so... <laughs> and um, it's, it's pretty good. So we saw you, um, I think it was last Friday night as well. You came up here and you were part of the, uh, the Pause Your Life meetup group, right? Oh, my God. We had such a fantastic time. Yes, absolutely. Um, no one wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We just kept sitting around, and everybody was... It was great. And then finally, I mean, finally you have to leave, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we uh, we spoke last week about some books that influenced you, and, um, you know, I know we didn't cover everything, uh so, did, what uh, did you want to talk about another book? Or I also mentioned the fact that you've been on a lot of uh, seminars and programs and retreats and stuff, and I was curious about your experience with some of that stuff. Sure, sure. We could talk about uh, some of the programs, but most of them were triggered by a book. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, with, uh, with the exception of uh, Del Carnegie, uh, you know, I was introduced to that course um, by one of um, one of the people on my team uh, who was interested in taking a presentations class. Mm. And um, instead of um, taking a presentations class, they came to me and they said, "Could I take Dale Carnegie instead?" Mm. 
and I looked at their flyer, and I said, no, you can't take this class because it's fraud. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and, and um, you know, he said, why? And I said, look at what this says. This says that if you take that course, your self-confidence will go up. You'll have better people skills. You'll be able to do presentations and communicate better. Your leadership skills are going to be fantastic. And you will... Um, you will no longer, you know, worry about things in life as much as you do. So I looked at him and I said, there's no way there's a course like that. <laughs> um, so I decided to call Dale Carnegie and give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I called them up and I said, I have a guy here. Um, he just needs some better presentation skills. And, and you people are advertising <laughs> all this stuff that just can't be true. So the person that answered the phone um, said to me, well, let's make a deal. And I said, okay. He said, let Michael take the course. And if there is no change in him, then you could call us up and we could talk, you know, about the price you paid and, you know, talk about that but they said if he takes the class and if he does well and if he comes back a different person then you have to take the class ah. and I was so offended how dare <laughs> they tell me that I need that class <laughs> so of course you know how the story ends you know Michael goes to the class um, he comes back um, more a different person, seriously. I mean, mm. he, he just became more considerate, more humble, um, very confident. Uh, you know, where there used to be a couple of complaints at work about him, everybody was like, what happened to him? Mm. So I had to do my end of the deal now <laughs> with myself and, and bunches of people that took the course together mm. and Chris I never left it so that was in 1996 oh. and basically um, I became a coach you know right after my class ended I became a coach you know where you come in and you help the instructor teach or actually the instructor you know gives you assignments and you give samples to make people more comfortable um, and then after being a coach for many years, uh, in the year 2000, I became uh, a Dale Carnegie instructor. And like I said, I started it in 1996 and never left it. Mm. So some, you know, we talked about um, the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People last week. But the interesting things about the course, one of the things that it introduced was the concept of vision. Um, so um, the course back then was 12 weeks. Now it's eight weeks. Um, but back then you would have to cre create a vision of what you wanted your life to be. 
um, you know, three months from the date you started. Now you create a vision of what you would like your life to be two months ahead. Um, so it kind of opened up the door about uh, your inner self. And, you know, and of course they give you the rules. You know, the, the vision has to be exclusively positive. It has to be powerful, and it has to be in present tense. So if, if you're talking about what you're going to be like in the future, uh, what is your life going to be like, you need, you need to talk about it in present tense. Right. Like it's already happened and already do, yeah. Exactly. It's happening right now. So I just actually want to mention, too, how this whole visioning process is really relevant to our spiritual journey because, and, and, and another thing that's relevant that you're talking about is all these, the personal skills, the presentation skills and, and the, the soft skills, if you will, because a lot of times those trip us up, but we're on a spiritual journey and that's what this show is all about. And this stuff is so critical. It's so critical to have a, some sort of a vision of yourself having achieved some spiritual goal. I mean, right? It's still relevant in that area. Right, right. So, so um, the Course introduces, right, what happens when you forget about your spiritual side. So why would anyone not be confident? You know, you're not confident if you forget that you're connected to the universe. You become less confident when you totally forget that you're not by yourself, that, you know, um, each one of us are connected. When you start thinking that you're by yourself, I'm not good enough, you know, that's when your confidence kind of goes down, right? Right. Um, so, so basically, you know, in that course, it, it brings you right back to your authentic self. Uh, and again, it doesn't advertise that it does that. It advertises itself as a business course. Um, but, but basically what it does, you know, it, it, it has you look at yourself as a professional and becoming the better professional that you want to be. But in reality, what's happening, it's a self-reflection. You know, you, uh, j- just as an example, um, one of the assignments, one of the first assignments is to think about a defining moment in your life. So it asks you to look at yourself. Who are you? And how did you get here? What was the defining moment that got you here? And through those assignments, you start looking within yourself and you start having a spiritual awakening, right? Who am I? You know, you start, like we talked about Marianne Williamson last week, you start thinking about your light, and and you start, basically, I believe that the Del Carnegie course st- started me on all these um, 
uh, spiritual courses <laughs> that they came subsequent to it. Mm. Um, so, so from a course perspective, you know, it talks about how um, it's a business course. Uh, the book uh, that that you also get to read in in the class is how to stop worrying and start living. Mm. And if you look at worry and if you look at stress, if you look at what it does in your life, and basically many of the illnesses that we have are caused by stress, by worry, um, by not understanding that one of the universal truths is health and joy and happiness, you know, and mm. um, not getting all wrapped up in the stories that we make up about our life, right? Mm. So, <laughs> right. So, um, so many aspects of the Course uh, really bring you back to your authentic self. It's a Course that will never advertise that, but that's the approach that it takes in order to um, to have you become a better professional, you know, and, and transform into the next version of yourself is what I always say. Yeah, and I want to also mention, Maria, that you obviously were ready to grow personally and you were open and willing to look into yourself, but I bet there, there are some people who take the course who, who aren't, maybe they're not ready to do that, but... I guess the point is that a course like that really offers a person the opportunity to look into themselves, and quite often it's under the guise of you know business development. Um, but mo- but if someone's aware enough, they can they can take more from it, right? Right, right. Um, it opens the door. I think when I took the course, I don't think I was in a place. You know, I, I was taking the course. Um, it, it almost turned into a joke, right? Um, uh, Mike took the course and, you know, oh my gosh, look at the way he came back. And then bunches of us from work said, hey, let's do it together and, you know, let, let's see what happens. <laughs> and um, we were taking the course, but like I said, it was a lot of people from work in it. So I don't know if we shared as much as we would have, um, you know, so, so it was more like a fun, let's do something fun together, right? But the effect that it had was amazing. And, um, uh, you know, it was basically life-changing, right? Um, and and um, one, one of the other things that, um, you know, the course makes you focus on is looking at the positive aspects of your world. And again, when you start looking at the positive aspects of your world, you begin having a spiritual experience. And um, one of the famous quotes for Dale Carnegie, you know, he said, um, men are developed, and, and a lot of his books talk about men, because back in the 1920s and 30s, you know, mostly men were in the business world, and, you know, the the ladies, he didn't have as many ladies in his class right. as, as men, so he talked more about men. 
but I think he meant it in a universal term, men and women. But he, he said men are developed the same way that gold is mined. Uh, several tons of dirt must be moved to get one ounce of gold. But you don't go into the mine looking for the dirt. You go in looking for the gold. Mm. That's exactly the way to develop successful people. Look for the gold, not the dirt, the good, not the bad. The more positive qualities you look for, the more you're going to find. So, so it shifts your thinking from, like, you know, when you're having issues with a, with a person, let's say, at work or in your life. It moves your thinking from, what do I not like about them? What is irritating about them? Into, what do I like about them? What is good in them? So, you know, using the Buddha example again, you begin looking for the gold in other people. And, of course, your world changes when you start looking at the positives, right? Or when you look at your life. If, if you're looking for the dirt, you're never going to find the gold, right? So when you look at your life, what is great about it? What are we grateful about? So, so I think he inadvert- inadvertently, I don't know that when he developed the course, he thought he was developing a spiritual course. As a matter of fact, he was developing a presentations class. <laughs> mm. But I think the exercises, you know, started... Uh, introducing positive thinking and the minute, you know, and vision. And it started introducing many spiritual aspects that made people successful. Um, so, so, um, and, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wanted to ask you once you started teaching or becoming a coach, and then you started, then you became an instructor. You must have seen other people who took the course, maybe students of yours, who really had some tr- really dramatic transformations. Have you? Yeah. So, so the attraction to the course, you know, the reason that um, it is such an important part of my life is the contribution that I could give to others in transforming from... You know, some of the folks that take the course, you know, look at life in a very negative way. And you see a total transformation. And again, this is my perception of it, right? Mm. (laughs) But people almost look differently, you know, at the end of the course versus the beginning of the course. You know, we talked last week about one of the principles is smile. So, you know, uh, the first uh, week, you know, you you see people that have a tendency to never smile, you know, to think about, you know, how heavy life is, right? Mm. And by the end of the class, you know, you see people happy, smiley, you know, not looking at the burdens, but looking at the great things. So the way that I see it, it's um, a group of people that come together to transform together. And and I see it as a huge privilege, you know, teaching it, because um, I, sometimes I think with all the courses, right, and even 
our relationships and the people in our lives. If, if you really think about how many thousands of years, you know, people have been on Earth and how we have the privilege of sharing time together and how precious that is and how every time we come together, what we give to each other, right? So, so whether you believe in Christianity and you believe there's one life and we only come together once and we never do that again, you know, that makes it even more amazing if you only come around once and out of all the time, out of eternity, you're choosing this time to be together with all the people in your life and to learn from each other and grow from each other. How precious is that? And um, how should we treat each other, you know, like like the miracle that it is for us to even, you know, share this life together? Mm. And if you believe in multiple lives, you know, where people come together repeatedly, um, how fantastic is that, you know, um, where someone, you know, a group of people are meeting throughout time in order to help each other, you know, grow through eternity. So, um, so anyway, it's, That's uh, great. you know, from, from a teaching a perspective, it, it gave me the perspective of just looking at life in general, who's in my life, how precious that is. Mm. And, and even when the experience might not be as positive as, as you want, to always look at all the experiences as a growing journey versus, you know, oh, look at all these bad things that are going on in my life. I'm always thinking, oh, my gosh, if you're experiencing something bad, it means you're growing big, which means something phenomenal is coming up. <laughs> mm. Right? Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I just want to mention, uh, Maria, uh, that you're listening to The Mystic Show, and our guest is Mystic Maria. <laughs> yes, we love that name. And also, we only have like a like minute and a half left, Maria. But I wanted to just mention that, you know, the Dale Carnegie course that you're talking about, that you've experienced and you're, and you're now an instructor with, it's like helping people, as we said, recognize some of the inner spiritual parts of themselves but also it's my belief that when you when you change your outer behaviors it also helps the inner growth as well so like we have to we have to meditate and and you know uh grow inside ourselves grow the inner inner attributes but if we make changes to our behavior that that helps as well so like smiling and little things like that really go a long way i think uh, absolutely. And, and Chris, I hope in some future shows we get to talk about your book, <laughs> which is, no, which is Leap Beyond Your Limits. And of course, you know, I took the teleclass, you know, I, uh, together we shared like many books and, and many experiences. And um, I, I got to experience, you know, the Bob Proctor course in person with you. And I got to experience the Leap Beyond Your Limits course. And, and absolutely... Um, these courses, uh, and especially, you know, your course, as you look at your outer world 
and and realize that it has nothing to do with the outer. It's really, you know, if you want to change the outer, you really need to change the inner, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and and the wonderful exercises that you put together to help you inner form, right? Yeah. In order to uh, to do great things and and uh, change your life and and actually reach your dreams. Yeah. Hey, Maria, have you ever heard, and we kind of have to go right now, but um, have you ever heard uh, Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret? No. Okay, because I want to tell you and all the listeners that if you, we're going we're gonna to go off the air right now, but then in about five minutes, um, we're going to play uh, Earl Nightingale's audio presentation from 1956. It's called The Strangest Secret, and... It's you know we're kind of talking about the self help uh, industry and the self help phenomenon and, and Earl Nightingale was was definitely one of the uh, you could probably call him a founding father um, I, yeah I think he came just after Dale Carnegie and and uh, Napoleon Hill and stuff but it's about thirty minutes long total but and and he has kind of a deep voice and it's it sounds a little old but. Um, you really, you really enjoy it. He talks about some. It, it's just an amazing piece of audio. So, so stay tuned. Stay on the channel. You'll, you'll probably hear a song start. You might hear a song or two, or maybe a song and a half, and then, then you'll hear, uh, then you'll hear me come back on, and I'm going to introduce um, Earl Nightingale's "The Strangest Secret." And if you're listening to the podcast, you will not hear "The Strangest Secret," but you can easily go on YouTube or anywhere and look it up and and find it and hear it very easily. So, Sounds fantastic. I'm definitely tuning into that. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, so Mystic Maria, thank you for coming on the show. You know what? I think next next time you're on, we're going to have to... Well, today's a special day because I have to be going somewhere, but um, on a normal show, we'll have to get you on a couple minutes earlier because uh, the time just seems to go by so fast, and I know we have so much more to talk about. So, Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, so thank you, Mystic Maria, and uh, we'll see you next time, Maria. Thanks. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye now. And thank you for listening to The Mystic Show. I hope you enjoyed some of the topics today. And check out our website, themysticshow.net, and send us a note or comment on one of the posts if you'd like to. We'd like to hear about you and your spiritual journey. So I hope you can smile today. And bring some really nice, bright energy into the world. And see the good in other people, as Maria said. And as always, keep shining. <laughs>